Welcome to May I Interrupt, an eye care roundtable discussion show sponsored by Oculus. Each show, we explore questions in the world of eye care and other topics of interest with leading experts in the industry. I'm Jason Jedlicka. I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Craig Norman, who alternately hosts and participates in each episode. How are you doing, Craig? I'm doing great, Jason. Thank you so much. My pleasure, as always. Um, so this week, we are joined by our guests, Tom Arnold and Alan Glazier. Um, welcome, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Great to be here. Yeah, great to have you guys here. And so um, just a quick bio. Um, for those of you who don't know, Tom Arnold. Tom's a private practitioner in Sugarland, Texas, um, practicing at Memorial Eye Center. Um, he is the co-founder of Sclerolens Practitioners on Facebook and has built a reputation for technology and practice and social media which is the topic of our show today. I'm also joined by Alan Glazier. Alan is a private practitioner also in Rockville, Maryland. He works for Kepler Vision and is the founder of Odie's on Facebook, a group 41,000 plus strong on social media as well. So um, our topic today again is social media and we have one other segment of the show of special interest to some of you. Our show is divided into three segments in each segment one uh, I will present a question and a topic to the panel. Each panelist gets a minute or two to share their pearls or wisdom, hopefully teach us something about the topic. The fun part is when someone makes a good point, I'm going to give them a ding, and that means they get a point. And so this is not just about teaching you guys cool stuff or good stuff for your practices, but actual competition. And we're all competitive sorts, so this is going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully um, we have fun tonight with this. So. Um, if someone makes an off-base remark, I could buzz them too, and they could lose a point, but I doubt that's going to happen to Tom or Alan at least. Um, as the name of the show indicates, interrupting will be allowed, um, but we'll save that for the speed round that happens after the initial comments. Hopefully you'll see how the format works. Hopefully this is a lot of fun, informative. We have a good time with this. Are you guys ready for round one? Let's go. Rock and roll. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to start round one with Tom Arnold. Tom, talk to me about social media. Obviously, again, you're recognized among the peers as, you know, an expert in this. Um, talk about your practice specifically, not you personally. Now I'm talking about your practice. How have you used social media to build it, um, to grow it? And what things have you found to be maybe most effective in, in regards to the impact it's had on your practice? Well, I'm honored to be here today, especially with my good friend, Alan Glazier, because he really is the guru and uh, with ODs on Facebook. And, and I've learned a lot from Alan over the years. So uh, cheers to you, Alan. Um, <laughs> it's, it's really great. It's grown my practice tremendously. Uh, early on, we started a Facebook pages page. I have two, actually, one for my Scarlins practice, which I call Eyes of Texas Squirrels. And then we have my practice practice. And like many practitioners, share general information, healthcare tips, uh, you know, some social media, some fun, highlighting my staff, highlighting us. Uh, social media is the way, the way to go. When I started years ago, it was direct mailers. It was um, yellow pages. Uh, it was price advertising. We do none of those things anymore. It's all perception and, and uh, you know, your place, your place in the universe. It's the perception of quality and friendliness 
and competency. And social media is fantastic. Awesome. Alan, uh, same question. Take it from Tom. Um, any other things that you can speak to specifically about your practice and the use of social media? Yeah, so I got I got into social media. My whole my whole um, MO was uh, using search optimization to grow my practice from the late 90s on. And when social media got to the point where a search engine started using uh, social cues to elevate your practice in your region for the products and services you wanted to be found for. So I had to learn social media. Everything I've ever done has been for my practice only. And out of out of the desire to grow my online marketing, which was low cost and almost free, I had to. I really zeroed in on it as as a uh, as an option, and, and then kind of perfected it for for me in my area. And but one doesn't for me marketing wise, one doesn't exist without the other. They both play off each other. They're both super important. Awesome, uh, Craig. Talk to us about social media and your familiarity with it. Well, for me, my most recent experience, of course, is at the Michigan College of Optometry. And Jason, as you know, working at a university it tends to be controlled more by the university level than anything. The actual reach out of uh, the communication aspect is relatively poor, and it's mostly based on the website and whatever the website it else, whatever the website can do is what is managed there. Unfortunately, uh, that is not a lot of effort in pushing things out to patients or the community. It's waiting for uh, patients interested to come to the website itself. Uh, the things that both of the gentlemen today talked about are obviously things that uh, at the university level I would have loved to accomplish and never really had the opportunity. So, so Tom, if we can go back to um, specific ways that you use social media within your practice, um, specific sites or apps or things like that, that you just found to be just real big winners for you. Well, the, uh, the Facebook pages are very, very important. We feature patients, uh, uh, especially in the specialty lens sphere, um, where we have special patients that we, we help them see, you know, in scleral lenses. These are people that often can't um, function without it. And if they have a good experience and they thank us, we ask, a, a, ask them to make a video. And on all the years we've done that, I've never had a patient refuse. And I leave the room, uh, I let the tech take, uh, take the iPhone, and the patient just speaks freely. And I just say, tell your story. And we put that on our social media page, and we share that with some of the other Facebook pages. I find Instagram to be very, very powerful. A lot of the younger people are on Instagram. And so that's how we get the word out that it's not just us talking about ourselves, it's actual real patient testimony. And that's been very powerful. That's a great idea. Um, Alan, same question again, anything specific um, that you found to be really helpful for your practice? Yeah, I have to agree with what with, with Tom said, you know, there's different platforms, but on all of them, the most important thing is creating content. For Tom, it's video content, which is probably the most powerful of all. There's also, you know, text content, image content, creating contests and games and generating charitable efforts. These are all things that we try to do in our social media, but you, you, it can't be done in a vacuum. You have to have a network or else you're, you're speaking to, you know, you're in a forest of trees and you're just speaking to no one. You really have to have people who are zeroed in on you. And the way you do that is you, where you post the content is important. You want to post it on a 
on a, on a homepage or for us, it's our website. And then you put it into the funnel where you post it, you create the link, you send it out to the different channels and drive all that traffic back to the home base where you, you try and collect information such as uh, a floating form where to hear more from us, give us your email and then you remarket. So it's, it's the cycle of content, sharing, remarketing, repeat. And now uh, to, to, go off of that. I, I recently, I've heard this before, but I saw some very good graphics recently about when is the best time to post these things. And it seems like midweek, midday, uh, that seems to be a pretty dense area where your, your content gets looked at. Do you agree? Yeah, there's, there's four times that are recommended. Uh, 11 a.m., uh, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. because the West Coast is starting to tune in. And then between 9 and 11 at night are, are really good times to post. Craig, any follow-up to these great comments? This is well, really it's, it's difficult for me to really build upon that. I would actually like to ask a question more than anything, and that is when, when you are evaluating the efficacy of the website or your other initiatives, what tools do you do to actually figure out if they're working or not? Yeah, that's a, that's a great thing. Uh, I really don't. I, I really don't. We should. Uh, you know, you, you can't change things unless you measure them. Uh, I guess just feedback, likes and comments, uh, but that's very unscientific. Wish I had more time to delve into that. Yeah, if you're, if you're, um, it's okay if I go now, Tom, if you're yes. tied into the standard type of channels, you're going to use Google Analytics. Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to run something and you're going to watch what happens and then you're going to change it and watch again and then kind of get used to doing that. There's also uh, tools like Hootsuite and things like that, that you can do the same thing with, but they cost money. And, you know, we, we're optometrists. We're, we're people who went into a career where we sit in a little dark room and measure tiny things. We're not marketers. So yeah. other than having someone else do that for you, that's kind of harder to do. I really, uh, Hootsuite is something I've relied on for years. Uh, so I tie in, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook all into Hootsuite. Uh, and so we can do one post, one, you know, one information and share it to all three platforms simultaneously. I think you can do three for free and you can add more, but you have to pay. Yeah. And so there's other things, uh, Lumily, or there's, there's a number of platforms like that. Hootsuite's pretty, uh, pretty common and well-known. Tom, a quick question on that. When was the last time you checked that? About what? The limit that, of three? That, that it was still, they, they, so they turned off, those apps turned off some of those fire hoses. So that yeah. they're, they're not allowing you to do it as much anymore, and maybe not at all, especially the Twitter and places like that. So check on those and see if they're, that you may have that in there thinking it's going out and it's not. Yeah, maybe. I know they had a problem with Instagram, Alan, that you couldn't go right to Instagram. Uh, but as far as I know, I can still go LinkedIn, Facebook, but you're right. Hootsuite is not as easy to work with as it was. So they, they've tightened up. They've tightened up. That's certainly true. Jason, if I could jump in for a minute. Uh, Ellen mentioned Twitter. Where does that play a role in the optometric practice? You want me to run with, you want to just, if you could say who you want to run with it next, but let me run with that. I, I don't like Twitter for practice marketing. First of all, Twitter's more of a news feed and things. If you have more than 30 people you follow, it cycles through there so fast that you can't really grab hold of anything meaningful. And if you're trying to get your message out in that way, most people have more than 30 people they follow. So it's just, it's one and done and gone. And you can repeat that message, but you know, who wants to do that? So I don't love it as a tool for that. I, I use it to get information, not really 
to draw business from. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Excellent. Thank you. All right. Well, I think that wraps up round one. Um, very competitive first round here. Our technological Oculus. Oh, my Lord. The, uh, Alan oh, oh, my Lord. Uh, well, he's so a master, you know, so I don't, I'm the underdog. I, I he's got the work to do. Well, I thought this was like golf. I'm going for the lowest score. Well, I'm, I'm setting out. I want to make Jason's hand bleed. Yeah. <laughs> good enough. Good enough. I'm ready. Bring it on. All right. We're going to go right into round two at this point. Um, and for round two, really kind of want to have the same discussion, but I want to focus more on you personally as optometrists. Um, you know, you your practice is one thing, but you also build a reputation. You guys both are you know, featured speakers at conferences, you're writing articles, there, there's a there's a personal branding that goes along with some of the things that we do for, for some of us who want that. Um, you guys have obviously, again, used the social media to create your own personal brand around yourselves. And there are people who are watching this video show that are interested in building themselves a brand, if you will. And I'd like to um, have Alan start this round and talk about how you can use social media to create a, a reputation or a brand for you personally. That's that's a fantastic question. So the, the whole... <laughs> hey, that's no fair. Anytime you compliment hey, me, round music is not allowed. Hey, Tom, quiet down. Foul. Foul. You're great looking. I love your sweater. <laughs> Anyhow. The um the the whole may I interrupt? That's a fabulous question, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole thing falls under a, a marketing principle, a, a marketing area called thought leadership and social proof. That's another thing. They teach social proof at Harvard. Uh, thought leadership is is a way of of building yourself as an expert in something, and you can only do that if you have a, a network. Uh, if you don't have a network, you have to build a network and draw attention to yourself. And the people I know in the in our in our field who've done a really good job of that without having a direct network have, have done it by by writing, by creating, by writing articles and just consistently creating content. You think of Neil Gaylmar wrote 700 blogs. Paul Carpecki wrote a ton before he ever got on on stage. And you know, these are also guys though who have a particular uh, special competence in a very narrow area. So you can't, you have to be a master of something and not a jack of all trades. You have to create a lot of content if you don't have a network. And if you have a network, you can kind of position yourself to, for that thought leadership role, which is kind of what I did. Great. Uh, Tom, other thoughts? Um, You've done the same thing. You've built a, a, a reputation um, for what you do. And if you could speak to that a little bit. Well, I think, I think a couple of things. Um, I found social media. I wanted to share my enthusiasm. By the way, you, you're yeah. free to compliment now. It's your turn. So. <laughs> oh, oh. Alan, you are uh, not Alan. Uh, Jason, looks like you lost weight, man. You're, you're looking good Ooh. there. Yeah, looking good. Yeah. Anyway, uh, no, I think it's, I, I use social media because uh, Facebook, especially ODs on Facebook, which, which uh, was, is very influential in my career. Uh, as well as the Scones practitioners, to share to share my experience. I was I was learning from guys like you, Jason, and, and other leaders in scar lenses how to fit them, and so I needed I need I was learning, and 
I was sharing what I learned. I took started turning taking pictures, and so social media was a way for me to reach out and and show other people what I'd learned and, and maybe pique their interest. So so that's what was important to me, especially getting started. But then I think it's important to be genuine, to be a real person, uh, and and to show that you have some depth. Uh, I love optometry. There's no one that loves taking care of eyes more than I do. Uh, but I love a lot of things. I love music. I love art. I love literature. Uh, I certainly love my family and my grandchildren. So I think it's important to be a whole person to have extra dimensions that show that I'm not just some talking head with eyeballs behind me. Uh, I, I'm interested in a lot of things in life. So I think being uh, genuine is extremely important. Yeah, I remember our music conversations when we were in South Africa. Good yeah. time. Yeah, it's fun. Craig. You got anything to add to this? You have a reputation. Uh, you know, I, I can't. I can't suck up to you as well as the other two gentlemen. They really have done an excellent job. <laughs> uh, but here's where I, I do agree. I think that by building content, and uh, it's a more traditional means, of course, through publications and so on. But today, it becomes multi-platform uh, when content is built through articles and and other means such as that. Uh, so I think that that, to me, was the method that made the most sense to be able to write articles, lecture in front of audiences. And then if that didn't work, you just start a meeting so that everybody comes to you anyways. I, I'm concerned that people don't read anymore. You know, I find even in the new I, I look at my newspaper on my iPad, but so many of the articles are videos and yeah. uh, uh, academic friends, Jason's and Jason, you can speak to this as uh, being in an academic session. I'm told by my my friends who teach that people, the kids don't even, I said kids, but the, the young professionals don't want to even read books. They just want to look it up online. So uh, I'm concerned yeah. people, you know, so this is this is the medium. This is what people learn from, apparently. Correct. Yeah. And, and, and I agree. I agree that there's definitely a movement towards the online and, and, and even just the quick, the quick bites, uh, rather than picking up a textbook to learn a topic, um, we're picking it up case by case on ODs on Facebook or Sclera Lens Practitioners on Facebook. That, but that's, that's great learning. And, and people will ask me where do, I want to get started with Sclera Lenses. Where do I, how do I learn? go to Sclera Lens Practitioners on Facebook and follow the great cases that are presented there. So, I mean, I think what you're doing is, is through what you are doing with this media is you're teaching thousands of people without writing a textbook or being in front of a, of a classroom necessarily, but you're teaching the next generation just like everybody. So uh, I think that's great. Any other thoughts on, again, using this, media using social media particularly to um to grow a reputation can i ask a question of the guys related to that please how all right then go how, ahead, how worried are you about one's reputation on your online presence i'll let alan speak to that well as long as it doesn't go below jason's you know, I'll be fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think you should take away two points for that now. I think I did, yeah. It's supposed to be funny. Hey, Alan, you can make fun of everybody but me. Okay, I just learned that the hard way. I want you to change the name of this, though, from May I Interrupt to uh, the Optometry Cage Match. <laughs> <laughs> I'll um, work on that. 
So, so the question was, how important is it? I, I'm sorry, Craig. How important is it to? Well, how do you protect your reputation with the comments and those kinds of things you know, that happen online? That's a good question. So I do want to, I'm tying into something I want to say before. Tom is one of the most authentic people on social media. He's unbelievable how far he's come in a relatively short time and without a huge network. You know, he just did what he did and he did it. He was very real. He is very real. And he's a good friend of mine, too. So I can tell you from knowing him outside of the industry that that's the case. Um, people who are real, you know, you, you, you have to be immune to criticism. You have to have thick skin. You have to be yourself. You have to say it like it is. And you can't worry about haters because they're, they're out there. I got plenty of them. I've had my life threatened twice because wow. I kicked somebody out of the group. I didn't take it seriously, but I didn't lose sleep over it. It's social media. Come on, give me a break. Right. But a lot of other things happen. It, you have to realize when you run a community that it's community that matters. It's the people that matter and, and that, that you you can't worry about yourself. You can't worry about what people say or think. If you think you're doing driving something of value to the industry, like Tom and I are doing, and then then you have to be confident that you know what you're doing and you know what's best for that community. I, I think it's important too, if I can amplify on that, uh, not to be mean or petty or vindictive. If, if someone attacks me or uh, is what my mother would call ugly, which I was never allowed to be. Uh, is you know you don't attack you don't strike back and some people do you know some people are and uh, and the other thing too and Alan again I've I've learned a lot from you Alan uh, you can ding the bell now Jason uh, that uh, that uh, you gotta you got to uh, ride herd on your network you know just vigorously and people who are offensive and mean you got to get rid of them quick we do not allow shaming flaming bad line, you know, nothing. We, sh we uh, get one warning and then they're out. And, and, you know, in the five or six years we've done Scarlet's Practitioners, I think I've only kicked like four or five people off. Well, uh, yeah. I, it's important to monitor and, 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 you know, ride the fences. Yeah. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag and any kind of bromance we got going here, Tom, but you're definitely not ugly. <laughs> let me add one more thing to that. I want to add one thing that, so people ask me, you know, what is ODs on Facebook? And I have an elevator pitch I use, which kind of sums it up. It says, it's a place to share clinical and practice management and have a little fun, but not at anybody's expense. There you go. Absolutely. Here, here. And just in just 30 seconds or so, can you remark hey? what the online presence uh, or, or reputation that happens on an individual practitioner's website? Patient makes a remark. That's a good question. Doesn't like the doctor. Doesn't the exam. Yeah. Loves the moderator of this program. Uh, yeah, we would say uh, we'd respond with something like, thank you for letting us know. I understand your concern. Uh, I will be contacting you, you know, to directly, you know. So I, I thank them. I understand. I empathize. And we will, well, I'll be in contact. And, and I do. I, I, um, I do it a little differently. I, I give a course I, it's called Yelp Help. And you, when you get a um, when you get a comment from somebody that where they're they're not happy with you or they insult you or you know we all take it very viscerally. It, it, it's our it's like if someone insults you personally. This is your business. You spend all this time building it. It's first of all really important to step away from it for 24 hours and 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 you know and not react. Number one. Number two. You have to look at that. There's two types of people that leave comments. There's crazy people, 
And then there's people who actually are giving you their You can crowdsource them because they're giving you the valuable information, valuable Frank information. Nobody else might give you. Mm -hmm. So you have to really, you have to take accountability for how your business is running and realize you're not doing everything perfect and see, does this person have a point and do I need to fix something here? Yeah. Now, if that's the case, it's those kind of feedback, that feedback is unbelievably valuable. If they're crazy, you, you can respond to it in a certain way where you turn the lemons into lemonade. You, you don't, you, you, if you can answer them and make them look crazy for saying what they said in a really professional way, people are going to discount that review or that comment. And, and I remember my first review ever, sorry if I'm running on here, but I got a one-star review in like 2010. And the, they said, the only thing they said was, um, I called for an appointment and they wouldn't see me. They wouldn't even take, they didn't take my insurance. They wouldn't even take any cash, one star. And I sat back, I looked at that and, and I'm like, wait a second, this person was never even in my office. So anybody reading this, if I can point that out in a nice way, say, thank you for the feedback. Of course we take cash. We're going to have a staff meeting to address this so it never happens to anyone else. Let us make it right. Give us another chance. Even though we really don't want that person back, I'm not writing this for them. I'm writing it for the thousands of people that are going to see that comment. And then I say, by the way, had you ever actually come into our office, you would have given us a four or five star review like 99% of the other people do. And that's using social proof. Yeah. To, to, that's to, brilliant. You know, that's and, brilliant. and, and then, then you turn those lemons in the lemon. Then people are like, oh, that's I'm not even gonna pay attention to that one stuff. Hey, you know <laughs> letting it letting it what you know that that's the end of the round. Oh, okay. I'll finish it. Uh, I thought you lift your left uh well I had I had some I had a I have a factoid for you. Okay, you guys, well you, since you, since it's not Craig, I'll let you go with it, Tom. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, so you guys like music, and I know Craig, we all like music. Well, here's something I heard uh, I read several years ago from Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam, you know, my daughter's a musician. You get on stage, you know, and something's not right. You know, the bass is too loud, or they can't hear the drums, and they're, they're all pissed off at each other. Uh, and Pearl Jam has a rule that after they leave the stage, they don't talk about the gig for 30 minutes. There's a 30 minute cooling off period where we don't talk about, you know, you sang too loud or something. I thought that's cool. Cooling off is important. Didn't Eddie Vedder get that bell? For being a, that's for being a Pearl Jam fan. Yeah, Didn't Eddie Vedder, Eddie Vedder should get that bell, not Tom. Oh, boy. Hey. <laughs> All right, I'll he's, take he's that. In, he's in rehab. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm substituting uh -oh. for him. Yeah. I'll give you one. I'll give you a point extra if you can name their new song that's popular right now. I cannot do that. All right, too bad. Sorry. Dance of the Clairvoyance, I believe, is the name of that. All right, we're gonna we're gonna uh, bring round two to a close, and uh, we've got one more round coming up. And this has been awesome, guys. Really helpful. Again, I think for anybody who really wants to grow their practice or their reputation with social media, you've got enough some great ideas. Um, but first of all, again, this program is sponsored by Oculus. We really appreciate their support with this and putting this all together and i know that we're all users of oculus instruments um tom and alan you both have oculus instruments in your practice can you tell me in 30 seconds just how you use them and, and how vital they are to the success of your practice tom, i'll start i guess or go ahead alan yep yep we use the i use the karat karatograph every day uh it was such a huge technology jump for me that that i still you know, a couple of years later, I'm still learning features every every time I use it. Um, having it piped into the exam room has been phenomenal too, in, in terms of helping me, you know, do a better, more efficient, faster job. But the images are crisp and clean. They give me angles that are amazing, and I, I just love, I just love it. 
use it for the dry and the and the topography and everything yep yep more for the uh, more for the topography than anything yep and and fitting the ortho k mostly yeah i love it for ortho k too i agree uh tom thoughts stay with me we use a keratograph we use it for dry eye workups we like the mybomography feature in the gendis report we have a big tv on the wall behind it and we can show people their mybomian glands and their various functions uh, love the Pentacam. I, I first, my first Oculus was a Pentacam. We do a lot of scar lens fitting, a lot of scar lens co-management uh, or keratoconus, uh, PMD, LASIK co-management. The mm -hmm. fact that it's a shine fluid based system, we can see the posterior surface of the cornea. Very, very important for monitoring keratoconus progression, seeing edema, seeing swelling. Yeah, uh, shine fluid's the way to go. I, I couldn't go without the uh, Pentacam. Yeah, it's interesting because again, at the at the university, we have both, and I think we use them about fifty fifty because they both have yeah. such a good place for certain things. I really like one instrument or the other, and, and we end up on a daily basis is using them both all the time. So Stay that, very user friendly, very easy for the staff to learn to use. Uh, you know, not difficult at all. Great yeah, stuff, great. and easily well, networked. Uh, before we get on with the next round, I just want to bring up the score. Alan's pulling away a little, but Tom, mm -hmm. you're definitely within striking distance. Well, Craig, he's the social media king, you know. Craig, you uh, you got some work to do there, buddy. Well, let's see. Um, maybe this Here's, third and final round will give you a chance to catch up here, Tom. Uh, yeah, this is where I'm out. This is where I'm outclassed. I'm feeling it now. I'm I'm feeling it. Here we go. Uh, we're going to take a little different bent with this um, third and final segment. We're going to get off of eye care and we'll get on to recreation and leisure. And we're going to talk about something that um, Tom and Alan are both kind of known for. If you do follow Odie's on Facebook and some of the social media, and that's Scotch. Um, love the posts that you guys put up with what your what kind of bottle you got this week or what you're celebrating the 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 blizzard with with a, something new. Um, actually really enjoy those posts. A lot of fun. And of course, Craig is here and Craig um, drinks a lot. So <laughs> join in, Craig. Anyway. It's cold up there where Wait. Craig lives. It's cold, man. Gotta keep warm. Sorry about that. That was a bad one. Okay, so... Um, not, not, not really. You didn't hear me arguing the point. That's true. That's true. Uh, so, so again, um, I am a complete novice when it comes to scotch. Okay. I've had it before, but um, it's not something I could speak to anybody about with any kind of expertise or knowledge. So um, tell me what makes a good scotch. Um, if I wanted to, um, what the differences might be, if I want to pick up a, a, a bottle, uh, you know, to impress somebody or just to, to sip at home, you know, that's not out of my price range just give me some background on on this whole thing and and help me out here as a novice so uh craig i'll let you go first if you want to well my questions are this uh i do like single malt scotch you're supposed to be giving me feedback not questions yeah okay oh, feedback was you didn't know enough about the topic to really ask any questions so okay. i'm gonna go Wait. ahead and do that right now <laughs> and so in in particular uh when I think of single malt scotch, I think of peat. And, and I, for one, like the smoky aspect of scotches down on the far right-hand side, however that's looked at. And uh, I'm interested to hear what each of you have to say about that. And I'm in particular interested in is Octomore, 
worth the price. What is it? Octomore. Octomore. Hey? Austin hey. Powers drinks in Octomore. I, I don't know what oh, that is. Oh, that's the one they make from an octopus? I don't know. <laughs> I, I never heard of that. Cragmore? Cragmore, yeah. That's uh, my family's Akintoshin? I don't know. Okay. Let Tom, Tom go ahead. Okay. Well, okay. I'm going to back up for a minute. These are all known as whiskeys. And the word whiskey comes from a Gaelic word, ushkaba. So ushkaba is the origin, Gaelic, from which we get whiskey, the English version. So all scotches are whiskeys. And if you go to Scotland where my daughter lives and the family, don't, don't, don't be a rube and order a scotch. You order a whiskey because they invented it. So in America, we have bourbon whiskeys, rye whiskeys, and scotch whiskey. So here you would say, well, I want a scotch and that's fine. But uh, the, you know, the real, in the homeland, it's whiskey, it's ushkaba. So Craig, that too, the, the, it's single malt means it's barley is from one, one unit, one, one distillery. And the malt, the malt, the barley is malted and, and how that is, after it's sprouted, how it's dried gives us its, its flavor. So if you dry it with peat smoke, it's going to have that strong peaty flavor. And that's from Isla and Jura and the Western Isles. In the lowlands, they air dry it, like Glen Kitchy and uh, Glen Goyne and things, and things like that. They're not smoky at all. In the highlands, they space side and north, they tend to use wood. Uh, are just air dry. And so the the flavor depends a lot on how the malt is dried. Very interesting. I think I like that part better than anything I care related we could talk about. So mm -hmm. Alan, any other comments or thoughts on, yeah. on the Scotch version of whiskey, I guess? Yeah. So Craig said that, um, you know, he liked the Petey and, you know, what, and then I've heard a couple times, what's best? What should I like? Well, nobody judges you for when well, you like what you like. It, it's that's, you know, if you like a lowlands, that's great. If you like a highlands, that's great. And, you know, you, and you can try them all and settle in on a particular area. Like I did, I started with the PD and I liked it when I tried it over time. I, I found that I like less PD and more highlands and Speyside particularly. That's where, that's where I settled in. That's the McAllen's and things like that. Um, so, you know, it's personal preference, but I will tell you, the more, the more you taste, the, the, the more of a connoisseur you'll become as in anything that you're tasting. Uh, and, and so find what you like and don't worry about it when anyone else says. The other thing that uh, to go along with that, Alan, is that how the whiskey is matured in what barrel they put in imparts a lot of flavor. Alan, you, you mentioned McAllen. McAllen is traditionally matured in a barrel that first used, had sherry in it. And so they call them sherry cask, or you could use a rum cask or a port wine cask. And so after the, the spirit is distilled, then it's put into a cask and, and then we age it, right? We say, what's well, a 10 year old or a 15 or a 25 year old. Sometimes it'll start off in one cask, like a bourbon cask, and then it'll be transferred the last couple of years of its life to something else. Uh, so like a Balvini double wood will start off in a bourbon cast and then be switched into a, um, a sherry cast for a short period of time. So you get kind of a blend of flavors. So 
the, the flavor of a whiskey is really determined by those two things, how the malt is dried and then what kind of cask it's matured in. And then you get into blended or cask strength where it's not, it's not um, cut with water and has a higher um, whisk, uh, alcohol content. So all those things go into the flavors of scotch and depending, scotch whiskey, and depending on where you are uh, in Scotland, they'll have different flavors, just like, just like French wines, you know. And so that's what um, makes it My fun. understanding was that the barrels coming out of Kentucky are very popular in and Scotland. Absolutely, they are. Yes, and bourbon. You asked about uh, you asked about cost too. It's it's the same thing with wine. You you know, my friend who are wine connoisseurs, I can't tell you one wine from the other, but my friends who are connoisseurs, they'll tell me really great twelve fifteen dollar bottle of wines that ma match up with thirty fifty dollar bottle of wine. The whiskey's the same way. Matter of fact, I, I depend on Tom a lot to make recommendations on good, reasonably priced whiskeys, thirty forty dollar bottles. You've, several times he's hit the nail on the head. Um, the one that I like the most, the, the to me the best whiskey that I can have consistently is, is McCallum 18. And that's an expensive bottle. Matter of fact, I got one in my car. I just picked it up before I come came here for this, but it's more expensive, but I mean, the bottles run up into the thousands of dollars. So you, you find what you like and, you know, you can find things that are lower, or higher priced in anything. And, and to, again, this is a great conversation. It's a lot of fun to have. The other part of that, Alan, is age, you know, uh, an older, you know, a 21 year old or 25 year old that you may pay a hundred dollars for is not necessarily a better one than a 10 year old. Here you go. Here's my, here's um, my prop. Here's wait, my Tom, prop Tom, right here. more about the 25 year olds that you're spending a hundred dollars for. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. This is a, this is a 11 year old whiskey at Tomatin from, uh, from the Speyside region, one of my favorites, Tomatin. Let's see here. Uh, da, 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 da. Let me switch off my virtual background. There we are. There's our there's our Tomatin, and you can see it's 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 a just a bourbon cast finish or rum cast. It's only 11 years old, and it's an elegant elegant one. So uh, age is not you know older is not necessarily better. It's to your taste. But one thing you never never do is you never put ice in scotch whiskey. Now, sometimes I do that in bourbon because bourbon can be a little hotter <laughs> and I like bourbon, but uh, never, never do not go into Scotland and order ice in your whiskey. You'll probably get beat up. <laughs> so if, if, a, if you buy a bottle of 18-year-old scotch, how many years is it still good to drink? What? Ooh, that's a great question. Alan, you go first. Once it's in the bottle, it's the same forever, pretty much. I don't think they go bad like, like wines do, but it doesn't age in the bottle, though. An 18-year is an 18-year in the bottle, and it's 18 years, 30 years from then. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. One thing I heard, Alan, I don't know, and, and Jason, maybe you've heard the same thing, or Craig, anybody, that that's absolutely true. But once you open it, I have read, and I think people have told me, you want to drink it in about a year. You don't want it. You don't want some old bottle because it does oxidize. So, Al, uh, Alan, I know that's not a problem in your household, so I'm, I'm not worried about you. <laughs> Nor yours, my friend. Nor yours. Awesome. All right, guys. I think uh, that brings us to the end of round three. Tom, uh, quite a rally there. Uh, Craig, not bad. You actually saved me with some decent questions there, but... Uh, this is our final standing. Oh my oh. lord! I knew we'd keep it out in the end. Uh, the Scotch topic really was your forte, I guess. 
Uh, Let me tell you what I don't like about my Oculus equipment now. Okay. (laughs) No, you you can pick on me. You can pick on me. And I'm the scorekeeper. You can tell me something you don't like about Uh, (laughs) Awesome. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Um, I've enjoyed hearing about the social media stuff and, and stuff that I had no idea you could do and did do. Um, and I learned just as much or more about scotch and I'm like ready to go take a look at some different bottles and do my research. So uh, I really appreciate you guys being here. Again, it's been a blast. Uh, Craig, appreciate your help. Um, you. way, to, way to round it out for us on the panel. Um, and thank you also to Oculus for sponsoring us and helping us put this all together. So I'm um, looking forward to seeing you at the next May I interrupt? We'll have two different guests and two different topics. Thanks again. Thanks, guys, for being here. Thanks for having us. Such a pleasure. Thank you, fellas. It was great. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Awesome. Stay safe.